my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. Uh, This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. This week... We're looking at biblical morality in the third millennium. Now, big questions. Marriage, where did it originate? We looked at that yesterday. Today, what is the biblical role of family? Tomorrow, is biblical morality out of date? And then, sexual sin. Is forgiveness possible? And then finally... Does Christ's teaching on morality make sense? Our co-host today is Eric Hoare, and Eric's the recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. And welcome to you, Eric. It's great to have you back again. It's excellent to be back again. A wonderful day, and uh, comes around quick, but it's lovely to be here. Yeah, no, it's, it, it is really, really wonderful. Is it cool enough out your way? Oh, look, I couldn't warm up today for some reason. <laughs> it was so cold. I mean, I'm lucky we got a good fire at home, but I still get out and about. So, no, it was, uh, yeah, it was a coolish day today, but lovely to have the sun out. Yeah, I've yeah. got a few people come into our studio here, here and say, why do you make this thing so hot in here? And we say, hey, look, you're in the hot seat here, so you need to uh, need to have it have it warm. Um, Eric, uh, tell us, uh, COVID's almost over. Are you planning any celebrations? Oh, well, um, well, we are. We are getting back with family again. We're going out more now that the restrictions have lifted uh, again. Yeah. Yep, and uh, seeing the family a lot more and seeing church people a lot more too, which has been a blessing. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually really feel sorry for the for the lads over in uh, in Victoria because uh, yeah. you know, I mean, certainly it is so nice to be coming through uh, this uh, this end here in here in South Oz. Mm. But uh, I, I do feel for my mates. My brother is uh, uh, lives in Melbourne, and uh, it's a, certainly a challenging time over there at the present time. But Eric, now look, this week we're chatting about marriage, family, and morality in the third millennium. And what the Bible's got to say about it. Now, you're a granddad. Um, now, help us out on this one. You know, as a as a grandfather, what does it feel like to be a grandfather? Well, I hate to boast, Gary, but I've only got eight eight grandchildren. You've only got eight grandchildren. Yes. Four. I had th- three. We had three boys and one girl, so we've ended up from them having eight grandchildren, and it's wonderful uh, to have them. So we've got six boys and two girls at the moment. So that's really wonderful. Hoping to get to ten, yeah. but uh, we'll see. Is how that, that a goes. hint? Should we send this uh, uh, this transmission out to, <laughs> well, to all your my, kids? I hope my family's listening. Actually, yep. So, uh, no, but tell us, Eric. Yep. Um, how can a grandparent positively impact? The grandchildren, because this is something that increasingly I'm conscious that uh, grandparents are taking a, a larger role in the lives of so many uh, grandchildren. For sure, and times have changed. You know, where um, a lot of a lot more of the ladies are working as well as the men now. So, yeah, the, uh, I do quite a bit of picking up from. I actually drop the. Uh, uh, sometimes I pick the child up, uh, uh, one of the grandchildren when they came back come back from the bus, and mum can't make it at certain times, so I'm there, uh, help put them on the bus. 
us sometimes. So I'm pretty involved with just their, see them every day, which is really great, some of them. Um, some of the things I like doing is tell them stories from the past of uh, what it was like when I was growing up, a lot different to today. You know, how now that, would, that would prove very interesting, wouldn't it, to them? I mean, they'd hardly believe, I mean, you would have uh, grown up in the pre-television era, wouldn't oh, you? Oh, they can't believe it. I said, you know, I didn't sit, couldn't sit around watching cartoons in the morning while mum and dad are busy. No way. Black and white TV came into my time and uh, that was exciting. So, yeah, things like that. And uh, I love telling them stories. Um, you know, if we're babysitting, now I'm, I'm pretty, I'm sorry, Gary, I have to mention this, but some of the stories I tell them are the old Mickey Mouse stories that I make up in my head. So they get some Mickey Mouse stories that I actually make up in my head and uh, and they seem to enjoy that. I uh, also love to go down to the park with them and, and uh, all that. But I also like, um, actually like, I've got um, a couple of them, the younger ones, we wrestle on the ground and they jump on me and do whatever and we have a fun time together. Uh, but I must admit, sometimes <laughs> they get a bit rough, you know, now I'm getting a bit older. So I haven't had any broken limbs yet, but I really enjoy being involved in their lives. And, um, it, it, you know, it, I think the grandparents, have a strong, a strong influence on the family. Now, today though, I think you've got to be careful. You you work in with the parents. Um, you know, there is a time yeah, when yeah. you know you you might be doing something that they or saying something they may not agree with. So yeah. you've got to work in with them. But on the whole, yeah, look, it's it's fantastic. I wouldn't have it any other way. Do you find that uh, as a grandparent, you can mentor your grandchildren in a, a sort of a different way to when you were a parent? Oh, for sure. And I think it's just, um, I mean, we live in a different time, um, when, um, you know, time's moving so fast and, and, and sometimes, you know, actually being a grandparent now gives me a lot of time being semi-retired to spend that quality time with the grandchildren and I think that stability that uh, grandparents bring to a relationship within the family is so important Mm. because often I hear somebody say I wish I had a grandparent you know and and they're missing so that stability in a family is crucial that love role Um, and I remember you know um, my my children's grandparents what a role they had and the wonderful times we had back then it's a different era now but we still remember it I still remember the Mm. role they play and it's yeah. so crucial. Yeah, I know that I uh, myself. It's probably one of those things that, uh, as a as a child, I I really I didn't realise I missed it at the time. But mm. just watching it in times past, because in in my particular circumstance, all four of my grandparents had passed away uh, mm. before I was uh, before I was one, mm. and uh, that meant that I'd never actually knew any of my grandparents now at the time that wasn't a big issue mum would mum and dad would talk about them occasionally but but that was all but it's only in more recent years that i've realized how much that i did actually miss miss that um the the opportunity to be able to 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 share with somebody somebody older that would actually be able to mentor uh the younger person Mm -hmm. and you know sometimes when i'm doing something special with the grandchildren and i just wonder it's it's so it it actually builds grandparents up too i love it you know i just sometimes wonder um will um will this girl remember this down the track because yeah. I'm certainly going to remember it. Yeah. You know, and that's the whole thing. It's a family unit and uh, designed to be, I, I believe, that the grandparents have a role to play and it's a stabilising role, but it's also a directional role too in many cases because often the grandparent is the one that's alone with the child on, on some occasions. So it's so important. Um, and I know people that uh, have suffered because 
um, you know, sometimes the grandparents missing or or maybe the parents too busy and, and they've got to have babysitters or whatever, which isn't the mm. same, you know. Mm. Um, I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, yeah. No, we really want to acknowledge today certainly all the grandparents out there yes. because, you know, to me I think that it's a really special, it's a beautiful role that you've been called to do. And where I know it's not always possible, but wherever it's possible to become involved as a mentor to the grandchildren, I believe is a wonderful blessing. Amen. Eric, let's come to uh, to some music. Uh, this is Gavin Chatilia as Water to the Thirsty. Hello, my good friends. This is Pastor Gary. 
I'm Daly, host of Drive Time. I'm excited to be able to share with you a wonderful opportunity commencing Monday, July 6. I've invited Nick Creta and the Drive Time team to deal with big questions of prophecy. This series answers some of the most profound and relevant issues that are impacting the Christian world in the early third millennium. Who is going to control the world? How will the world end? Who is the Antichrist and has he already come? This is your opportunity to see what Scripture reveals of a war that is hidden to most of humanity. The first presentation commences at 5pm South Australian time and 5.30 on the East Coast on Monday the 6th of July. This is a series that you just must hear. That's a really fantastic uh, series that's coming up. Uh, Pastor Gary's going to be taking uh, a, a few weeks of, uh, of long service leave. Really looking forward to that, uh, planning on touching some of the marvellous places uh, just around uh, uh, around Adelaide here. Uh, going to be spending some time at home, uh, cleaning up the garage, cleaning up my yard, and uh, and just enjoying uh, life in a, at a slower pace. So really looking forward to, to that break. But that series uh, that uh, Nick, Creed, is going to be running in the drive time team is something that I believe you will really appreciate. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Eric Hoare and Eric's the recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church and this week we're talking biblical morality in the third millennium and today we're asking what is the biblical role of family? You know being family isn't easy. It's an issue that's actually been exacerbated during the COVID uh, lockdown. Uh, just recently, I picked up an article in the Adelaide Advertiser. It was entitled, How We Haven't Escaped the Sad Reality of COVID Lockdown as More Aussie Couples and Families Split. For some, uh, COVID-19 restrictions and lockdowns have allowed time to slow down and spend precious time together. But it hasn't been a positive experience for all, says the article. A series of newly released statistics reveal Australia is on track to mirror international trends with a spike in divorce and separation in the wake of COVID-19. Data from the National Information and Mediation Group, the Separation Guide, shows that there's been a 314% increase in the number of couples now thinking about separating compared with before the global coronavirus pandemic struck. It confirms what we already suspected, that is, that all of the COVID restrictions have really taken a toll on people's relationships, he said. I think there's going to be some ongoing impacts that come from a sense of unease and uncertainty about the future, he said. The Separation Guide CEO and said data collected from an interactive online tool in which people sought advice on separation showed there had been a spike in activity in April and May. She said that inquiries had risen from about four or five a day in February and March to 15 to 20 in the next two months. We saw in Wuhan... When people came out of isolation, the divorce rate went through the roof, and this has also been reported in the US 
and in the UK, she said. However, on the positive side, she said there were also examples of lockdown bringing families together. I had a party come and see me who were looking at separating before COVID, but have since come back and decided to give it another go. One of their biggest issues previously had been that they weren't spending a lot of time together. Do you know, it's an increasing challenge. Apparently, living in close proximity to each other does create huge challenges. Do you know, it's a, a challenge that we're only too well aware of as marriage celebrants. I'm a, a marriage celebrant. I've married and married many people. And, you know, when a person comes to me as a religious celebrant, I engage in pre-marriage preparation and discussions with those that I marry. We cover so many issues that are of real importance. We look at issues of communication, conflict. We look at the family of origin and the impact that a family of origin can have on a relationship. We look at issues of finance. We look at expectations the couple may have about marriage. And, of course, we also talk about a religion. Do you know, increasingly, what I'm finding is that idealistic couples have a vision of marriage that is really media-based. On many occasions, those that have come from a dysfunctional family of origin struggle with their own picture of marriage. This, this issue seems to be increasing, and as a marriage celebrant, I'm finding it so important to sit down and talk to individuals about these issues and their expectations in moving into marriage. Eric... Let's clarify today, if we can, you know, what is the, uh, the biblical role of family? Well, Pastor Gary, the Bible talks a lot about family right throughout, from the beginning in Genesis, which you covered uh, last night, the forming of the family, man, woman, and children to populate the earth. And there's so much instruction here for families. Um, I think that... There is a different aspect if a family has Christianity in it than a family that hasn't because the Christianity, the instructions that's given us as we absorb the words of the Bible and take it deep in our heart brings a different meaning to the role we have as mother and father and children within a family complex. In other words, what you're saying here is that there is actually a a, a foundation that seems to be, and certainly as a marriage celebrant, this is something that I would certainly uh, back up significantly. It seems that the foundational expectations coming into marriage are so important to the success of the marriage out the other end. Well, you look at it today; it's all changed, hasn't it? We, mm. you know, before um, God was bought, and when you got married. Uh, you, now you go before a celebrant where sometimes not even God is bought and, and at all. You're not even yeah. mentioned there. Yeah. Where when my day, when I got married, you know, that was a, a very important part. And it, it does, it gives strength and it has that undercurrent within a marriage that binds us together. Because within our family, for instance, 
and my children and grandchildren know that if somebody does something wrong morally or whatever, it hurts the whole family, and that therefore hurts the family of God as well. Mm. So there is a uh, when you become part of um, Christianity, you have brothers and sisters in Christ. Often the Bible talks about this, yeah. and so there is a greater family that uh, that is praying and caring for and looking after. Such a blessing. In other words, what you're talking about here is a, an extended family concept that within our world today, we've really lost a lot of that, haven't we? That's right. And a lot of people stand alone, really. If something yeah. goes wrong, like you've been talking about, spending more time at home with the partner and whatever, uh, also the mental attributes of, um, you know, of not being able to go out and adding that pressure onto it, plus sometimes having the children home for longer periods and can't go out and play with others, it does cre- create a, an atmosphere of, of want. And if you're standing alone on that, um, then, you know, you've got more strength, I believe. And, and the love, we're talking about the love aspect here of morality because morality um, is, an, is an inbuilt thing where your, your mind decides to do something either good or bad through the conscience. And if you've got a, a basis, that grounding, as you talk about, that foundation of that love that God has for us, that we take that into our families. Now, families know it. That's the key. The families know it. Then that builds a, a solid bond there. I know with my family, you know, I've, I've been very blessed. All my children are in the church. And um, and that's nothing to do with either me or in, but it's just the fact that we have God that has has bound us together and continues to do so. You know, when I look at um, some texts that we're going to look at today, I, I looked at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4 to 9, and it reads there, uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Where does that come from? That's Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's right. It's from the commandments. You know, uh, love your God, the first one. Yes, indeed. It? Indeed. Yeah. Yes. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be a frontlet between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. It's interesting. Gary, that this word frontlet, what it actually means to the Jews, because the Jews, you've seen them. You've seen them in front of the Wailing Wall. They have these little boxes on their heads. This is what this is actually talking about here. And in those days, they had strips of parchment on which four separate passages of Scripture were written, Exodus 13, 2 to 10, Exodus 13, 11 to 16, Exodus 6, 13 to 23, and this one, Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9. And it was in a a special link prepared for this parchment. And what it did was it reminded them of the love of God. It's on there, and they actually had it uh, worn around their... um, their arm as well. So they had this uh, frontlet on the on the forehead and around here. And this was the love of Christ. And what it meant was that bind them as a sign on your hand, God's word directs our action. Frontlets between your eyes, God's words control our thoughts. Write them on the doorposts of your house, God's word regulates our family life. This is, this is actually a very powerful little passage, isn't it? Because mm. what it's actually doing to the Israelite nation is providing them with, with counsel as to how they're actually to do family life. And, mm. you know, I, I, 
it, it's so easy to skip over this, you know. Mm-hmm. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And, of course, that's the passage that Christ picked up in the New Testament when he was approached by certain of the uh, certain of the Pharisees. Mm. Um, but then that's talking about the individual. But then the individual is commanded to do something with it. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Mm. You will teach them diligently to your Children, You know, Eric, this is something that apparently what God is wanting of the family is to be able to mentor the next generation. That's right. Um, you know, Proverbs 1 to 8 to 9 is well known. My son, hear the instructions of your father and forsake not the law of your mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head. And this ornament of grace is obedience towards parents in a way that brings, that is a virtual embellishment of moral character. Mm. That's what it means, that you are going to be um, adorned with good character. Mm. Isn't that powerful? In other words, uh, Eric, can we say here that morality is actually being taught? Because, you know, so much of in our uh, world today, I hear that, uh, you know, I'm not going to teach my children anything at all. I'm going to wait until they grow up. And when they grow up, I'm going to let them choose then. I I hear this continually. Mm. Uh, Do you sense a problem with that? I do. You know, I hear the word, son, I'm not going to push religion on my children. Yeah. I hate the word religion, Christianity on my children. And this is the problem that, you know, children um, do what they want to do. If you don't set any boundaries, then you have problems. And, And the thing within a moral life, like we have grace all the time and yeah. the children say grace they're thanking God so this is bringing in a different aspect of Christianity where they are learning what it's what it's all about and they grow I mean the whole thing is that the law what we're talking about here of instruction is protecting them in, in other words here what we're talking about is that we've actually got um, boundaries that are going to we're going to find boundaries that have actually been set that Parents are instructed to teach to their children, uh, not so that they do, so that they actually do have a choice hmm. when they are older. Because you know, if I've never seen um, the the wonderful things that have been revealed to us, the people of we've our children have got a very poor choice. If, for example, the only thing that our children have seen is actually what's on the media, hmm. then do they have a choice? If in fact uh, that is all that they're receiving. That's right. There's not a balance, yeah. and and they're, all they're seeing is one thing. I mean, all you're giving them is a is a, a way of life that is better, mm. but they've got to choose that way of life. Yeah. I mean, you know, First Corinthians thirteen eleven says, "When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, and when I became a man, I put the ways of my childhood behind me. So what it's saying here, a young child does not understand how dangerous it is to make friends with bad people, so his parents need to make rules to protect him. But as that child becomes mature, he he learns how to reason the Bible principles. I mean, sometimes I talk to, like I've got a... um, uh, a person that we're studying with tomorrow, actually having a really good Bible study tomorrow, and uh, she says, "Oh, 
She said, it's so hard. And I said, what do you mean? I, she's like, I'm always arguing with my teenage daughter. I've set boundaries, but I've, I've told her to put away the social media, that we need to talk mm. more and guide her and stay away from the boys, you know. She's doing the right things, but her, her daughter is constantly fighting against that. But she says, I'm setting these boundaries for her own good. And I said to her, you know, she may not realise it now, but later on, just as we do with our parents, we understand why this, and it's the same with the Bible. She will understand that this, she was actually using the, the moralistic ways of the Bible. You know, Eric, I think what you're saying here is absolutely, so absolutely vital and important because, you know, we've got this, uh, you know, what if our, you know, if we set boundaries, won't our children rebel against it? Well, no, what they may do is jump over the boundaries. But, you know, I found one of the things that's so important is that a person actually knows where the boundaries are. Mm. You know, oh, a person may, young people may go against those boundaries. They may go in a different direction to parents. But if they actually know where the boundaries are, at some point, there is a reference point that they are able to refer to when they are bringing up their own children. Hmm. That's correct. You know, I, 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 I said to this lady, I admire what you're doing because this is going against the grain with all her friends around her. I mean, 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Don't, Do not be misled. Bad company creates good character. Hmm. In other words, sometimes, you know, you can see the differences and she sees that what's happening here is that when she's, um, she has to keep her children away from certain things to, to make it right. So she's setting a boundary. She's trying to protect her home on the Word of God because as she studies the Word of God, she has changed. She's not so angry. Uh, you know, it says to, uh, also it says to, in Proverbs 1, 8 to 9, hear the instructions of your father and forsake not the law of your mother for they shall be not so it's actually building your character through the word of God and as you said if they don't have that grounding then they're going to rebel but I need to say something here Tupa I've got to be straight with you um, I've seen too within the Christian realm mm. that uh, you know to give them teaching and everything but the thing is uh, when the children are grown up, when they're young, don't drag them to every meeting that you need to go to. I mean, you've taken them to church, mm. you've taken them to Sabbath school. It's quite a long day for them. But if you've got a, you know two or three meetings in the afternoon and you drag them all there, it's going to give them um, a different view of Christianity in a way that they may may not like it. So what what I think a good thing to do is is to give them the instruction to be with them on the Sabbath and, and at home, but take them out to the bush in the afternoon. Make a make a something for them, but something in God's nature. So that balance. I've seen so many um, so many parents that have, have their children have, have wandered off because they were so strict on them and yeah. had them. Go in other words, it's possible to go the other direction as well. Yeah. To other words, be um, overly strict with uh, with children, mm-hmm. but to me, I am uh, I am so conscious that what the scriptures appear to be doing in this passage here in um, in Deuteronomy chapter six mm-hmm. is saying um, these words which I command you today will be in your heart. Teach them diligently to your children. Mm-hmm. Talk of them yourself. Hmm. When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, Hmm. when you lie down, when you rise up, you bind them as a sign on your hand. Hmm. Put them in our day. We might say something like this: We're going to put them 
um, for notice on the fridge door. Yeah. You know, to, to me at my house, I, I don't know what your fridge door is yeah. like, but my yeah. fridge door is actually uh, covered with, you know, all manner of little magnets and uh, and things that we want to remember. And to me, and this is what this passage is saying, hmm. because here we have got, uh, we've got the uh, the Lord God, he's talking to parents, he's saying that, hey, uh, this, this law that I'm going to reveal to you has to be in your own heart, but beyond being in your own heart, I want you to mentor uh, your family. I want you to actually to establish boundaries mm. for the uh, for your family. Now, Eric, we, we our time is starting to move away from us, and I'm conscious that we do have to move on. But, Eric, where do you find appropriate boundaries today uh, to actually uh, present to your children? I mean, yep. any suggestions? Well, at the centre of the verse we've looked at is, is the love of God. That is the whole centre of the family uh, to respond to the children in that way to, so that the children feel loved. But I think Exodus, you know, the commandments uh, bring out the... I mean, I often wondered why on earth would God write in in the commandments to honour your father and mother? I thought, man, isn't that... Isn't that a basic thing to do? Yeah. I mean, why on earth would you do that, you know? And um, there's other, there's many other texts too that back it up. In fact, in Leviticus uh, 19.3, it says, um, Every one of you shall revere his mother and father and keep my Sabbath. I am the Lord your God. Exodus says, And he who curses his father and mother shall be put to death. So this whole aspect of morality and guidance is it comes from God's word. It comes from the law as well. Um, I've one of the uh, one of the translations says respect your father, and I see uh, children, a lot of children they don't respect their um, their parents either. So this, I, I think, what you're saying here is so important, Eric, because what we're actually doing here is you come to the um, to the word of the word of God and. Deuteronomy 6 says, I want you to follow, I want you to teach, I want you to teach the things that I've been, that I've revealed to you. But I'm so conscious that today, uh, we're actually living in a land where uh, the boundaries have actually not been established. Now, you know, to me, uh, I know that many generations in the past certainly were brought up on this thing called the Ten Commandments. Now, uh, to me, you know, this, I, I just, I just wonder, Eric. I mean, is this an appropriate boundary to bring up children on? I mean, what's your thinking? I mean, is that is that valid? Well, you know, the first four commandments are to love God, you know, and then the next ones deal with relationships. Yeah, but the very first one. Is on your father and mother. The very first of, of the one. second section, exactly. Of the second section. Yes. The, the uh, fifth one is on your father and mother. You know that to me speaks volumes as to what God thinks of the family unit. Yeah. I mean, the only the only way I can see it, uh, Gary, is as the world goes into more and more trouble, as there's more and more evil around. Yeah. If the family isn't strong, then yeah. the person's not strong. But the family itself must have some boundaries. Do you know, sure. and probably there's so many of these boundaries within the scriptures. But you know, as I just look at the simplest possible form, I just sort of say, "Hey, if in fact we had, you know, the boundaries of the simple Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. you know, what sort of impact would that have? You know, you mentioned that uh, that fifth commandment, which is um, honor your father and your mother. You know, that's something. That's a passage that um, speaks to me. Uh, my parents have passed away now, but uh, do you know that was something that I believe that uh, uh, establishes a foundation mm-hmm. that 
children actually do need to be taught this particular principle. It actually doesn't come naturally. And one of the biggest challenges we face, of course, is that the media is actually stacked against us today in this particular commandment. I, uh, I think of, uh, you know, you shall not murder. Hmm. Well, Christ actually amplifies that, and we're going to come to this, uh, this a little bit later hmm. in, uh, in the book of Matthew, and he says, hey, he defines uh, murder as being uh, something even hating my brother. Hey, if in fact every person was taught this by their parents, would there be a change in our society? Mm. Um, you, know, you shall not commit adultery. You know, I, I know in my ministry how many people have actually been uh, impacted by how many couples have had pain and suffering and heartache forced on them because of the adulterous behaviour of one particular party or both both can, can even be engaging in adulterous behaviour. The scriptures turn around and say, hey, avoid that pain. You don't have to be, have to have that pain in your life. Do not commit adultery is what it says. You know, you shall not steal. You know, to me, as I look at this, I say, hey, these are foundational, um, foundational truths that are within the Word of God. And what God has said to uh, mums and dads is, hey, I want you to establish the boundaries. Yes, you do it with love. Mm. Uh, but do you know, uh, to simply say, I'm going to allow my children to choose when they get older, but they've got nothing to choose from, is actually, I believe, depriving our children. That's right. You know, um, the Ten Commandments, it says to accept it into your heart and your mind. And that's saying it's not to be a legalistic thing. Uh, David said there's a delight in the law. So when you, we accept that and, and install them and teach them to our children, mm. and these are just decent things. Let's yeah. get it right. I mean, yeah. that's what the whole world is based on. Where do they, where do they get the, the seventh day Sabbath from? It comes from the Bible. Where do they say, you know, that the murder's wrong? It comes from the Bible. So they're actually doing some things that the Bible has set out as principles otherwise would be in turmoil today but unfortunately if those boundaries aren't there what have they got to stand on there's no right or wrong and and that is so key and even that one that you mentioned the sabbath can you imagine if every parent taught that to their children you've got to have we want you to have it's expected by god that you have a day off every week. Yeah. You know, have a, what I want you to do is I want you to have a holiday. I want you to have a break. I want you to have a day to spend in relationship because that's what the Sabbath's all about. Relationship is actually with God himself, but it's also with each other. And God is saying, hey, I want you to have a day of relationship every week. You know, some people have said to me, hey, Gary, this Sabbath thing's a very works-orientated thing. Hey, if this is works-oriented... Bring it on, because you know, to me, I think this is the most wonderful works orientated. It, to me, it's not works orientated at all. To me, this is a very beautiful gift that's been given to us. Can you imagine if every family said, hey, uh, one day a week on the Sabbath day, I'm actually going to have a day off that we spend in relationship. Would that build family? It would. I mean, the commandments to me bring me freedom. Uh, some people say it's a burden to have the commandments, but when you bring the children up when, with a family and you're based in, basing the family on the Bible and you're treating them um, because what happens is the evil man um, has an evil desire just for himself and not, none of those around them. You know, I like today, for instance, I was in the shopping centre and I'd actually dropped $20. I didn't know it. And a lady picked it up and gave it back to me. And I, 
I just I didn't know what to do. I said, "Well, thank you." I felt like I should hug her. I couldn't <laughs> hug her. I, I, you know, it was so different, yeah. and that's what that's what it means when you you have Christ in your life. I thought, well, this person's a good person. Yeah. So people will see that, and in your family, we are the example. The the mother and father, the example. We're actually representing the father as well. Because yeah. God is the father. We are a family. So when we show that in the family, that love, that extra care, that response when when one of them's crying and and you're with them, that playing with them, that time spent with them is just a representation of our father in heaven. Yeah. And if we don't have those and the father we represent would be totally different. Yeah. And that's why a lot, I think a lot of people can't respond to God as a father because they've had a bad experience through their life yeah. and haven't had that family privilege. That's, that, that, that is so true, Eric. That is so true. And, and to me, the more I get into the scriptures here, I say, hey, we've got some wonderful boundaries here that have been established that our society has somehow missed and we're actually reaping the results of that. But Eric, look, I'm really conscious our time is starting to run away from us. Let's come to some music. Love this particular song. This is Bill and Glory. Gaither, because he lives. How sweet to hold our newborn baby and feel the pride and the joy that he gives. But greater still. The calm assurance We can face uncertain days I don't care what the headlines on CNN say tomorrow We can face uncertain days Sing with us Because
Hello, my good friends. This is Pastor Gary. I'm daily host of Drive Time. I'm excited to be able to share with you a wonderful opportunity commencing Monday, July 6. I've invited Nick Creta and the Drive Time team to deal with big questions of prophecy. This series answers some of the most profound and relevant issues that are impacting the Christian world in the early third millennium. Who is going to control the world? How will the world end? Who is the Antichrist and has he already come? This is your opportunity to see what Scripture reveals of a war that is hidden to most of humanity. The first presentation commences at 5pm South Australian time and 5.30 on the East Coast on Monday the 6th of July. This is a series that you just must hear. That is going to be a really fantastic series. I really encourage you to tune in to Nick and the Drive Time team uh, for that particular series. Uh, you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Eric Hoare. And Eric's the recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginals, Seventh-day Adventist Church. And this week we're asking um, biblical morality. Is it possible in the third millennium? And today we're asking... What is the biblical role of family? Eric, really appreciate what you've actually been sharing so far. Uh, share with us some more. Yep. I've really enjoyed talking about the subject today, Gary, about family. It's dear to my heart, and, uh, yeah, really appreciate it. Um, I just wanted to, to finish off here. You know, there's many verses, nearly a 100 verses in the Bible about being brothers and sisters in Christ, that when our family, when we bring up our children as a family unit in Scripture with the guidance that the Bible has and how important family is and how you, you really can't have full happiness unless your family's happy. I don't know about you, Gary. Gary, but if I'm away working and something's not quite right at home with the family, I don't feel right. And so you've got to, I believe that you've got to bring it all together. So uh, Matthew 12, uh, 48 to 50 says, But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards the disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. When I look at my children, Gary, I don't see them just as my mother. my sons and daughters, I see them as brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. So that that is powerful because that means I will treat them that way, that I will yeah. look after them and care for them. But if you don't have that, you don't have that belief in God, you don't see them that day away. They're just your children for for a short period of time while you're on this earth. Yeah. But this is a greater family, and this therefore means that whatever I do, I, I do them. I'm reflecting. They they feel comfortable in the family because they feel the love of God. And you are the fatherhead. You have got the motherhead, and together we, you know, we come as a family. And then we've got our right, uh, wider family. How powerful is that? Yeah. Nothing can nothing can break that up. Yeah. Yeah. Unless we let it, and I think I think Eric, you make an excellent point there because you know I'm so conscious that you know it's actually First John that says, "Beloved, now are we the sons and daughters of God? It shall not be. It does not appear what we shall be, but we know that when He does appear, we will be like Him. We are the sons and daughters of the Most High God. And you know, you're right, Eric. When you turn around and you remember that your children also are sons and daughters of the Most High God, it actually impacts the way that you teach, your way you you share with your uh, with your children, there's this, there's a, there's a love 
there's an acceptance. You know, one of the things that's so powerful to me is that, uh, and I often share this in my uh, counselling times with those who have asked me to marry them, and that's this issue of forgiveness. Mm. Do you know, I'm just so conscious that uh, forgiveness is actually something that is taught. There are so many families in this world who do not understand the the under the, the, the biblical mm. teaching of forgiveness, and because they have not do not understand forgiveness, they don't know how to actually resolve conflict. And one of the issues that we actually deal with when I'm sitting and talking to people is I actually look at the, the Bible and forgiveness and I simply say, hey, you know, you're deeply in love with each other. They see stars in their eyes. And, uh, but I said, the day's going to come when you're going to have to forgive each other. Mm. And I've, I've met families who, uh, who, who don't talk to their parents or don't talk to, or the, even the children won't talk to a brother or sister yeah. because of yeah. a, something that happened. And life's too short for yeah. that, you know. Yeah. I mean, you watch, I mentioned it before, but you watch Judge Judy and often it's a mother against a son or, or a father against a, a mother. How sad is that that you've got to take it into a court of law yeah. to sort something out, yeah. you know, when there is an answer right here in the Bible. Yeah. And, and there are so many things which we encounter in family life and even in community life that, you know, when I say I am sorry, mm. it can actually be resolved. I don't need to bear grudge through the next 10 generations. They mm. can be resolved and life can move on. But, you know, it's the scriptures that actually give me the principles of forgiveness. That's right. And and when you look at the commandments plus all of Jesus' teaching, the people flocked to hear him because he brought, he brought freedom to them. He gave them a hope for the future but also impacted their lives straight away. Yes. And they had that. So when they sat there, I can imagine just sitting there with your family listening to that and you'd walk home and discuss that, how much how much influence that would have on them that were yeah. being tied down by the Roman rule of the day, yeah. that he was one that brought light and happiness into their lives and, and into our lives as families. That's what he does day by day. He does. And, and that light just shines forth, doesn't it? But, mm. Eric, look, there's one more question because I'm conscious our time is starting to get away from us. Yep. One more question I'd just like to just briefly look at before we uh, before we finish, and it's this one. How much impact do you, do you think that the double income, 24-7, non-stop, treadmill lifestyle is having on the parental ability to be good parents. Could it be that our expectations on parents have become unrealistic? Well, this is a whole subject. On its own. It is a whole. It is. It is. I really like that. <laughs> because I know there are some, uh, I've seen them that do two jobs and do really good as a parent, you know. It's, it depends on your time management, I guess. But an increasing pressure, increasing pressure of time and relationships with families, it must have an impact, I believe, yeah. uh, with the, the way things move so quickly in the technology of today and the expectations of having a house that is top of the market and you know all the things that go with my day it was second hand clothes it was just a little you know 10th a small house to start with but today yeah. the expectation is we've got to have everything so that impact on family life is so strong that the income levels have to be high and then if one loses a job then the the, the trouble happens more so um, I believe you know when I kept the Sabbath and gave up triple time with a young family I had to step out in faith because that was important income but the Lord blesses mm-hmm. and that's the key that if you if you I know my son's looking for a house at the moment and he's he's he's, he's putting God first to do de- 
for direction. And that's the key to it, isn't it? That in yeah. our busy lives, what's the use of money if our family disintegrates and we don't have that? We've yeah. got to put the yeah. right things first in our lives and then the rest will follow. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I suppose Eric, one of the one of the privileges I suppose that uh, that I've certainly had in my life is that you know we uh, we certainly early in our marriage took a, a commitment that um, we we didn't want, and this was a joint decision. Mm. Uh, my my wife is a is a teacher, and uh, but during the years when our, our children were were very young before they went to school, she she actually didn't didn't work, and you know I, I believe that that. Uh, was actually a um, a a very wonderful uh, thing, and the impact that it, it it had, I believe, was incredibly positive. And uh, I'm I'm so conscious that um, wherever it's possible, because I'm so conscious that sometimes uh, it's not possible uh, for parents to be able to do that. But do you know, I actually get myself into a bit of trouble because I actually encourage people wherever it is possible. I say, you know, if you're able to cut your uh, wants back so that you can live on one income, Mm. then, hey, I believe your family will have a rich blessing as a result of doing that. Uh, do you know, I, I, I'm conscious that that did actually mean, for example, that uh, we didn't actually buy our first house until I was in my 40s. Mm. Uh, I, we simply couldn't afford to do it, but we felt it was import, more important uh, to be able to spend time uh, in with family. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I'm just so conscious mm-hmm. there, Eric, that uh, mm-hmm. this is something. Yeah, uh, same here, Gary. Um, my wife, you know, I went as a literature banners door to door, and and uh, my wife, um, you know, looked after the children, and and uh, you know, homemaker we we call it, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I know that now, uh, my daughter and my kids will go and sit on the end of a bed and have it and talk to her and chat to her as as of old, yeah. because they had that experience and young, and you're installing that in the children, and that is the power of taking time. If we put God first and put the priorities of life first. I often say, love God first, love family second, love yourself third. Yeah. And the way that does is God gives us a love for our family and all that gives us love for ourselves. And, and what you're actually doing here is expressing some biblical principles that if in fact they were uh, instilled by mum and dad into what sort of impact would that actually have on our community, on our families? Eric, I think what you've said there is so powerful. Eric, we do have to have to finish. How would you like to pray for us? For sure. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for the wonderful love that you have for us all. We thank you for a great God who came to this earth and showed us how to live and to uh, relate to others how he went to those in need and how he spent time with all people. We thank you for such a a wonderful God. And today, Lord, we pray that you'll bless each and every family member today, all those, Lord, that are listening and those out there, Lord, that you will just make those families stronger, Lord, that they may turn to your word, that they may build their families on your word, Lord, that they will have the love of Jesus the Father and the Holy Spirit, that they will take it into the homes, for in the homes it starts, Lord, this wonderful bonding together, and also the uh, the staying morally right, Lord, 
But, you know, having the truth in our hearts just makes us almost stronger and gives us the freedom to stand strong against the woes of the devil. So I pray, Lord, that you'll bless each each family today, Lord. Be with all the children, the grandparents and the parents, Lord. We thank you for your love. We thank you for our families. May we tell each member of our family that we love them, Lord. Now is the time. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for the Bible. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Eric Hoare on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when we ask, Is Biblical Morality Out of Date? We really look forward to joining you. Uh, but until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. Please enjoy the Adventist Vocal Ensemble. Make me a channel of your peace.